Hi, Wool Academy podcast listeners. Thanks for joining me today on the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode 120. And today I'm being joined by Verena Keller from Know Your Stuff. And she will talk to us about the importance of traceability and transparency along the wool supply chain and how her company is delivering traceability and transparency to the consumer in the shop on product level. So I hope you enjoy my discussion with Verena and I'll talk to you again at the end. Bye for now. Well, Verena, it's so lovely to have you on the Wool Academy podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope all is well your end. Thank you. Thank you, Elisabeth, for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to be part of the podcast today. Yes, wonderful. So maybe the best place to start is uh, by you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background, because you do have a background in wool as well. Yeah, that's right. So um, after after finishing my master's in English and economics at the University of Erlangen, I was like in my mid-20s and I was looking, I had a strong desire to go and work abroad somewhere. Actually, I was aiming to go and work for a company in New Zealand, which did not work out. But then I got the opportunity to, to do an internship for Sudwiller Group in their subsidiary in China. So um, <laughs> going to China was a super interesting experience for six months. And it was also my first point of contact with the wool industry. So I had a quite a different background, actually. And um, it was quite interesting to start like really in the production side, because we had our offices in, in Changjagang, the offices of Sudwiller Group are just above the actual production. So I could really learn it from the from the actual product and everything. After that um, internship, I went to the uh, headquarters of Südwolle Group in Schweig, close to Nuremberg, and started my role as area sales manager there. And um, within that role, I've, I've done a lot of like international sales activities, um, traveling across Europe, Europe, USA, and then Australia, New Zealand lately. And therefore, or in this role, I've mostly been working on or establishing new supply chains together with sports and outdoor brands in the market, focusing on long-term cooperation with all the manufacturers along the supply chain um, or along the marino supply chain in particular. So in the uh, past few years, I've mostly focused on strategic project management, um, like new business development, building up on my experiences and the market's need, market needs, which I understood during my sales role, which I learned during my sales role. And um, I'm quite happy that my last project was turned dealing with that dealt with consumer transparency in the textile industry was turned into an independent company this early this year. It was in February or March, I think. And um, the digital consumer addressing platform is called Know Your Stuff. Yes, and that's what we're going to talk about in detail today. So thank you so much for your introduction. That must have been a really uh, amazing experience starting your Wu career in China. Uh, so yeah, really impressive. Very interesting one, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I only had the chance to go and work like for one month in China when I was working in a PR agency. And that was also amazing. So. I Where mean, in China was that? Uh, in Shanghai, so 
about the company? Um, so know your stuff to put it in a nutshell. Uh, know your stuff offers a QR code, which the consumer can scan at point of sale, so online or in a store and um, access the full journey of the garment at one glance. That's very important because what I found during my work with brands is that on the one hand, we have brands with high offers, um, high efforts, sorry, high efforts, putting on the, um, yeah, putting on the investment of working with suppliers, choosing the right suppliers, monitoring them, building up strong relationship, which is really a good thing. So lots of, lots of brands in the wool industry and also outside, um, doing a great job there. And um, of course, also the manufacturers who have done a lot of auditing, who offer a lot of certificates and all that stuff. And they are not really, not really visible. So that's a kind of the one um, side that I've experienced. And then on the other hand, when I was talking to my friends, it was really like, they were like, oh yeah, I would like to buy sustainable clothing, but I don't know how, I don't know whom to trust. Um, they can tell me what I want. How can I judge it? How can I rate it? So um, we found that the strong need that we've identified is that we need to provide a consumers um, an easy access to a good overview where the products are made and easily display all the efforts from brand side to stand out from greenwashing. Okay, yeah, no, I, I agree that also nowadays there are so many different labels that it's really difficult for consumers to know what the, they mean and... and that doesn't really tell them anything more. No, they just have to trust what the label does. So you're providing more of a story, I understand. So maybe tell us a little bit like in more detail, like what, I think there's an app and like, what's the experience? Yeah. So um, there's like two products in a way, if you want it like that, it's like a database platform. Um, which is the basis of it all for, for sourcing the data. And this can be accessed by manufacturers and the brand with a password saved area. So it's their password saved access account. Um, they can put in their, fill in their profiles on that platform where they can type in their key data, like when they were founded, how many employees they have also add their certificate um, or any other sustainable like ecological or social efforts. Um, and most importantly, and this is really the soul of Know Your Stuff, so to speak, um, the photographs and the videos to really show the emotions, to show the faces behind the manufacturing steps and let people know what's behind. So that's the one part and they can create a product catalog that's all going to be automized. So when they choose a product and choose their supply chain, they, um, the QR code is eventually created on tier one level, which is usually the garment manufacturer. The garment manufacturer can attach the QR code um, to the garment then. They, you can print it on a hang tag, they can stick it on there, stitch it, whatever they want. And um, for the consumer, our main focus was always to keep it as easy as we can. So no registration is needed, nor any app download. So it's not a classic app. You can really just use your camera, scan the QR code at point of sale, and at one glance, see the full journey and the product information. That's super critical because we don't just, as we just said, there's a lot of certificates and data and everything. Um, and we know that the consumer is not just buying textiles, they're buying food, um, cosmetics, toys, whatever. And we need to make it easy for them. And we need to show what we have and the high standards that we have, but in an easy accessible way. Okay, so if I, as a consumer, scan the QR code, then a website opens that shows me all 
the mm -hmm. story of the exactly. game. It's a okay. web-based application. It looks like an app actually. Yeah. Um, because like we want to keep it simple and mm -hmm. um, you will see the first thing you will see is uh, the product itself and some background information about it, its composition and so on. And then you have a like small button where it says tap to explore the journey. You can tap there and it unfolds. And okay. if you want to dig deeper as a consumer, of course, this is linked then to the website of the manufacturers and you can learn more if you want to, but you can also keep it on the first glance um, level if that's helpful. And, but if I understood correctly, I can see everything from the whole supply chain. So also in theory, I could see who the wool grower was and uh, who each and every step. So we're starting, um, that's right, we're starting simple because we're starting with the four major steps in manufacturing, which is at the moment fiber, or not at the moment, but this is how we start fiber, spinning, um, fabric making, knitting, and garment making. Um, we have plans to dig deeper and to unfold it more over the years, but um, we think that we might overload the consumer again, and we just need to start creating awareness what's behind a product because like lots of people really think like this made in uh, made in China or whatever, but means okay it's one manufacturing step but it's not. And with the first four steps, also then um, the fiber level showing the forms showing who was the um, who was the transmitter there, um, that would be yeah that's that's how we want to start okay and who is then submitting the information is that the manufacturer or would also wool grower submit his information um so we have started with um our pilot partner uh australian merino export was one of the first partners to to join know your stuff and to help us get the product ready and what they've done is they've uh, asked their farms for like brief PDF profiles, one pages, sometimes two pages. And then all the forms can really take the chance and, and present themselves there with uh, like the, some history, like when they started, how many sheep they run, what's the family tradition, what certificates they have. Again, submit some photos and so on. And then that's the job done for the form. And um, yeah, the exporter or who's ever there um, can then transmit it to know your stuff and upload it. Okay, but so then for one product, you, it could happen that there are several people contributing or several companies contributing information. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. and is that complex to organize? Um, that yeah, um, that's, that's the platform background, the database mm -hmm. platform. So um, it's designed for that needs. And um, once the thing is always to start with because once you have all the partners in there it's going to be automatic so um the platform may also know if you say for one product it's always the same supply chain then it's automatically linked to the supply chain and the profiles of the manufacturers are on the platform anyway so it just pulls the data brings it together and puts it on the hang tag okay and i've understood that you started in february with know your stuff mm -hmm. Are there already hang tags with QR codes in the shop or is that going to happen soon? Yeah, so we are, we have quite some um, pilot projects at the moment going on. One is already quite advanced and uh, they have the first line already in the stores. Oh, and um, with more to come actually this week, we are going to plan how we will expand it to their whole collection. Okay, 
Cool. So you're gaining already some uh, real life experience. In Definitely. This yeah. Super important. <laughs> Super valuable. Yeah. And can you then see if someone scanned the QR code or? So we're planning uh, to work with an analytics tool because it's a web-based application um, because it's quite critical and interesting information to see how often is it scanned, um, what are people looking for, what are they missing. Um, that's anyway um, an important part of the way we work is always user-centric. So we always want to understand what the users really need, in this case, the consumer or the brands, to design the product to meet the needs or pains, or solve the pains, meet the needs of the users. And um, that's why it's super critical to understand then if it's in real life, um, what the consumers really need. Yeah. So I understand the added value for the consumer because they better understand you know, where their products came from and they can be sure how, how things were made. What other added value does Know Your Stuff provide, for example, for a retailer or a processor? Yeah, so um, for retailers, it's um, that's actually an interesting target group because we haven't had it on the radar when first when we started. Um, and we've applied design thinking, which means that we're speaking at an early stage to possible to potential users. So we went really into an outdoor store here in Nuremberg and um, asked customers there what they would expect and so on. And in that occasion, we've met the owner of the store um, and he, he actually told us that this is a super valuable tool for his staff and for himself and for retailers such, because it's just a helpful, um, yeah, some helpful information where they can also better consult their customers and get a better insight on, on their customer level without, for retailer, obviously, it's like not an effort at all because it's just digital, a digital selling tool in a way or supportive tool. Um, and then, of course, we have the brands where we see the biggest um, biggest advantage. And um, it just prepared some some figures, and it says that talking about transparency as an essential part um, of sustainability, transparency creates trust. So. UL conducted a study which says, which found that 43% of buyers say they are likely to be more loyal to a product or brand that offers a high level of transparency. And when you look at the group of millennials, it's even 94%. So they are more likely to be loyal to a brand that offers complete transparency. So I am 100% convinced that this is the future. Um, it's, it's, the earlier you invest and the earlier you open up as a brand and, and go that way and say, no, I want to drive this movement. I want to be an active player in here and saying that I, I don't have anything to hide. The better the reputation will be for the brand itself. And um, of course, in, in their customers market then. So that's a strong need. And then again, on the manufacturing side, for example, when you take the, the wool farmers or the wool manufacturers, um, they also have a great chance to make themselves visible, to tell their story, um, not just to be dependent on, it was quite an interesting discussion during Wool Connect conference, not just dependent on what the media shows or what some certain organizations promote, but they are doing a great job. And now they, they are getting a voice to make it visible what's beyond and what, what efforts they've done and what forming life daily on a daily basis looks like. 
And of course, then in the second step, especially the, the producers, the manufacturers then make themselves visible for other potential brands. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah, so lots of added value and telling the wool or the fiber, no, or no, the, I guess I'm always focused on wool, but actually it's uh, all fibers and all manufacturing, not only wool. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, but then also tell me a little bit, how is your own business model then? Because of course you also need to make money as a company. How do you then generate your income? Um, so the business model is, is based on um, an annual fee, which is um, which will be applied for brands and manufacturers, and um, it's a flat rate fee. So for brands, um, they can track as many products as they like with no new stuff. Um, our pricing differentiates by the size of the brand because we also want to give um, startup brands and, and small fashion brands um, also the chance and the possibility to join this movement and to really bring um, transparency out in the market yeah okay and you already mentioned a little bit that you have some future plans um, by adding more levels maybe but what else is there maybe that the app doesn't oh, not the app know your stuff doesn't do yet but you you're thinking about doing in the future yeah so um As mentioned, like our philosophy is mostly based on like continuous improvement and this constant dialogue with um, with with the consumers or with the users because it's quite a complex. Uh, like you know, we're somehow targeting B 2 C market, but we're also targeting B 2 B market, so we need to understand everyone's needs. And um, that's why we're like super happy that we have so many pilot partners now working with us and really sharing the feedback because this then will help us to define the next steps. Um, it is at this moment probably too early to, to already think about future additional features. There might be like just thinking around, there might be things like um, a possible wardrobe where you can collect as a consumer, where you can collect your favorite forms or whatever. Um, thinking of a, of a wine fridge where you always have your favorite region or something or um, yeah of course integrate web shop from the brands on know your stuff and so on but this is really just the ideation phase and for us we are not we are strongly staying to the to the design thinking um, concept to the design thinking method and there it's really depends so much on the feedback and that's why we really aim to get as much feedback as possible on our application Yeah, now you mentioned a few times now design thinking, and maybe not everyone um, knows exactly what that method is. So maybe tell us a little bit, yeah, how you came up with the idea and how then design thinking played a part in that. So um, the idea, um, yeah, got developed when I was still in my sales role um, at Suitfolio Group. So we've As I, as I explained in the introduction, there was this strong need between these or these um, obvious efforts and obvious assets also of brands with their valuable supply chain. And then also the strong consumers insecurities and black box, like they find, they don't know how to access it. Um, and then like um, the Suitwater Group management also like captured that potential and said like, yes, This is about transparency. We're running a project there and um, the project went really successful. So it was turned out into um, 
this independent startup now under the uh, roof of Evo Holding. And uh, during the project work, we um, handle it like in an agile project management way. It's like now getting technical, um, but agile means that we always take one step after the other. It's not a predefined strict process, but um, you always try to get as many learnings as you can and then decide on the next step. And design thinking is a method that helps by doing that. It means that um, you don't just develop a product and perfect it until you finally bring it on the market and then you understand that there's actually different needs than the product is for. Um, so design thinking approaches this concept from the other way around and says like, first talk to your potential users and really deeply understand what their needs are, what their pains are. They sometimes don't even tell you straight ahead. So you really have to listen carefully, do a lot of interviews um, and cluster some like, because some aspects will come more often than others. Um, yeah, and this is how we started. And then we've developed a prototype, checking again with the potential users, redefining the prototype. And um, this has then been the basis of, of the Know Your Stuff version as it looks now today. And then things looked so um, positive that you actually said, I will take the leap and, and actually implement it for real and bring it to life. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, we had, we've done some analysis about the just some societal mega trends like digitalization, sustainability, just um, mentioned too. And um, yeah, we said like there's potential, we believe in it, we believe that there's a strong trend towards transparency in the textile market in the future. And together with a colleague, Casper, um, I'm running the um, company now, yeah. Hmm, really exciting. And the name, Know Your Stuff, how did that develop? Uh, that was quite funny because that was actually like kind of this um, one of these processes where you know you have to be creative and with the former project team we all sat together in big brainstorming rounds and we wanted to look for something fresh something funny something easy to remember but a bit like um, catchy also and we've done all these huge mind maps and clustering topics and back and forth and never really found a right thing and then my colleague Casper who's now in the company with me together, he just uh, like, yeah, what about Noya stuff? What about Kiss? And um, all of a sudden we just loved it. We stopped uh, discussing and we just, yeah, we go for that, that's it. And the cool part about it is that um, we have the U in the center of the name. And also when you look at the logo, the circle goes around the your, because for us, it's really important to bring the consumer as an integral part into the supply chain. And not just stand there out there and say like, ah, I don't have any influence, I can't, I must just trust and hope and whatever, but really have no, it's, you are part of the supply chain, you can access the uh, supply chain and therefore also empower the consumer with that. So that's all I kind of, the story behind the name and the logo. <laughs> yeah. And another question that I just uh, thought of, I mean, 2020 is a little bit of a strange year to start a startup. Do you think, like, if it would have been 2019, things would have gone a little bit differently? Or do you think, is it independent of the pandemic that Know Your Stuff can develop? Or do you have some? <laughs> It's um, a very good question. Because um, we thought about that a lot. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, probably luckily, uh, looking back, we started it in, 2000, uh, in February. So that was right before the pandemic hit off. 
Um, otherwise, you probably wouldn't have started anymore because it's like two insecure times. And we have two directions that we're experiencing. So one is really the one where brands we're talking to are like, yeah, a bit hesitant. They are like, oh yeah, it's everybody's really loves the concept. So we haven't had a single conversation which said like, nah, that's that's not thing and that's not what's going to happen. But they are all a bit like, yeah, we don't really know what's happening. Um, most important thing, capacity, like people are involved into other projects. They need to react quickly to the changes. Then of course, especially in the fashion industry, it's not the best times from a financial perspective as well. But then again, we also feel that um, this COVID crisis even put this yeah, aspect of sustainability and transparency in the supply chains behind the project even more on the radar of, of the white, yeah, um, of the broad people, of everyone actually. And um, also brands feeling that. And then they, um, more and more, especially during the last two months, you can feel that the tendency, hey, there's going to be a life after the crisis and we need to invest into the future now and um, an increasing willingness of really to participate in there and trying it out, yeah. So it's been a bit of up and down and it's certainly been not the easiest time of starting a startup, but um, yeah. But maybe that also helps you already build resilience right from the start. Yeah. <laughs> if it's too easy at the beginning maybe that's also not not ideal definitely and also you said um that you looked at mega trends and you already also said that you've fully convinced that transparency and traceability is is going to be the future um so why like why do you think it is already so important and how will that also develop in the future um i think it is um because of like, when you think of your daily life, so probably most of us are constantly and permanently um, confronted with information, with data, with news. And um, it's getting harder and harder to judge and to evaluate what really matters, what is relevant, what is trustworthy as well. And like, what is actually just true. So whom can I trust? Whom can I rely on? How can I base my decisions on? And um, with transparency, and that's that's a super critical part, and um, that's also my personal message I want to provide. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know. It's not that only brands should participate that have an absolutely perfectly understood supply chain and everything works just as it should be. But transparency is more like a commitment to saying, "Hey, I got nothing to hide, and I want to, yeah, I want the consumer." To be included, take them by the hand and tell them how we do it, what efforts we do, what methods we use. And um, I want also my partners, my manufacturing to be part of that. It's a lot about cooperation. And when you that op open that up, immediately like transparency creates trust. When somebody's open to you, honest, and you have that feeling he's got nothing to hide, then you tend to trust that person way much better quicker or faster than if there's always like some, yeah, mm, need to hide it, I don't know, and here's a bit and there's a bit. And the same happens with, with, with brands and consumers, of course. And so by applying transparency, but showing the supply chain openly with all its aspects, um, you just create trust with your consumer, with your customer, and trust is getting an incredibly increasingly value, especially in these days. It's like a new currency. <laughs> in, a way, yeah. in a way. That's mm -hmm. actually quite a nice way of saying it, yeah. 
And how important are certificates within Know Your Stuff? Like, is it necessary to have certificates or does it also work without? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, if you don't have any certificates at all, for example, you're, we are working with, um, it's in Lithuania, super small um, garment maker. I've met them, they are really nice people, like the boss is taking care of her staff extremely well. Um, they haven't, don't have any certificates yet because they can't, just can't afford it. They are too small, they're too young. Um, so they are also participating in Know Your Stuff and showing their efforts and, and their standards on a different level with the pictures, with the description and with being open. Um, but all the same, of course, if you have certificates, then Know Your Stuff is a platform where you can upload these certificates. We're going to verify them and then um, publish them on the Know Your Stuff platform because we believe that... Um, there are pretty like there are plenty of certificates out there, and um, it is also supposed to um, yeah know your stuff is also supposed to channelize this in a way and to display it. We are also thinking of if we're um, on our website publishing a part where we're explaining certificates briefly because this is also something like really that's always my talking to my friends part and they go like yeah but I don't know what it all means is it good one or is it just a um, hang tag and they can't judge it. So this is something we were planning to have. Now your staff is not going to be another certificate. We are not auditing, but we're using of what is already there and make it visible. Okay. Yeah, and I saw um, that because you just spoke of the small company in Lithuania, I, I saw that you actually have pictures of, for example, seamstresses or, you know, men and women working on certain machines so you really try to make like a very yeah a process more visible also or human i guess mm -hmm. like put a face to it yeah exactly i think you mentioning referring to our instagram account yeah for, yeah there are some of this one yeah that's um so we're showing um the faces behind the production sites and also not just the face but tell the stories about um the people of course you can't that, do that for everyone but now um on on the instagram account you see our like it's it's this croc manufacturing chain our first supply or partner brand partner and um we also really want to understand the um yeah the people's personalities like what hobbies are they how long have they been working for the company what are their specialities in the company and um Something happens when you do that, you know, it's getting less abstract, like yeah, somebody produced it in Lithuania or in Bangladesh or whatsoever, because also in these countries that might have a lower image or something, you also have very good benchmark examples. And um, it makes you like, yeah, it makes you like realize that this is just like person as everyone else and, and with the stories. And that's kind of the type one part of the mission of Know Your Stuff, to tell that story, to make them to give them a voice, to make them visible. And the other part is also to um, educate a little bit about the manufacturing process, so what's behind, what does it mean? What, what, what are the attributes of different fibers? What uh, type of spinning are there? What uh, fabric making, like circular knitting, flat knitting, weaving, all these type of different things and just showing people, letting people look a little bit behind the scenes. Mm. That's mostly what we want to um, communicate on Instagram. And um, who is then responsible, like, so would the company where these people work then supply you with images and that information or how? Yeah, yeah. 
So that's that's the idea that we, because that's been um, like, not that we don't trust the brands, but it's like what I said earlier on, um, that there's this problem of greenwashing and people say like, yeah, but brands can promise me anything, even though they do it as good as they can. And there are perfect examples in the industry. And, um, but that's why we say as a neutral platform, we want to give the manufacturers the possibility to present themselves with their own voice, with their own um, images, um, text and so on. Of course, the brand can always have a final look and approve it because otherwise, you know, we want to keep some certain text uh, quality, uh, picture quality and so on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's actually one of my questions as well. Um, like the topic of pictures and accessing pictures and accessing stories because obviously if you're in the business of communicating then nowadays you need content you need images you need the real life stories yeah. but i always struggle and i know also some of my clients um, struggle to get this content and get images what do you think can be done to make you know to have more of content supply from sheep farms for example or from the manufacturing yeah um this is a super good question and because it's quite actually it's it's obviously a big problem for you guys because they say there's no content available and content can be produced quite easily i think you don't have to have a big shooting with lots of um, photographers and technical equipment but you can just maybe as a sheep farmer think about your local community about the next city and think about a local photographer because um call them and uh, we've done it for example in lithuania it's again manufacturing but um we've looked for a lithuanian photographer and asked her to go one day make a shooting there with the people and so on so it doesn't have to be super super professional but um at least that you get some content they have great experience they usually know exactly how to um, capture the moment, make it authentic, make it look professional as well. So that would be one approach that um, in, it's not for a lot of money. And the sheep farms themselves, they can use it again of, of telling you of the concept of telling your story. They should be using your their voices. Um, they can use it for their website content. They can use it for their social media content whatsoever. So once you've made this pool of pictures, the stock of pictures, photographs, then you run and it's might be a few hundred dollars. Um, to have a professional photographer there mm. um, so that's the one thing but then of course you can also because nowadays there are like many people's many people love to take photos uh, with their mobile phone or with the cameras and you can just ask in your family or with your circle of friends if there's somebody interested and they would for surely be quite happy to support the farmers there yeah definitely no but I, yeah i think in general um I always say I envy everyone who lives on a sheep farm because they can actually take a picture every day of a sheep or something related to um, and yeah me here in my little house don't have that opportunity so <laughs> I hope yeah that more wool growers um, also yeah. you know create more content to tell their story so that we can share it through um, businesses like yourself and Thank reach you. the consumers yeah And my very last question, and I already made the mistake before that I'm always like focused on wool, 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 but actually, as I said, also your um, know your stuff is not only about the wool supply chain, but includes all fibers. Mm -hmm. So from your experience so far, which industry of fiber supply chain is the most complex? Yeah, um, 
so wool is pretty good there <laughs> and <laughs> however we really find that it's not um, so much the fiber type which or the type of fiber which makes it complex but the products so for example we've had the um, example of a sock that has i don't know up to 50 um, 15 14 or 15 different yarns and then each yarn again might have up to two or three different fibers and then is where this is where complexity starts because it's like really branching out on every level um, our platform is able to cope with that but this is really um, where the complexity starts and also the challenge how we're going to display that um, in terms of fiber wool is actually actually it's quite uh, grateful because a lot of initiatives have been taken over the past years to make it traceable like you know it's not now we're using this word a lot and it's it's become quite a buzzword but um different suppliers like um the schneider group uh, and uh, many others like cq so have just really worked hardly and greatly to uh, provide uh, high quality fiber there track it back to form in some cases and to show to show the story behind the wool fiber so um it's not that it's like reinventing the wheel here or, or something completely new, but this is something we can actually really combine. And um, I think when we keep on working like that with formats like the Wool Connect conference or things like that, when we talk to each other, when we're connecting, when we're telling our stories and um, sharing the information, then that's a great way. Yeah, so actually a lot of the efforts that have been done already in the wool industry is something that you're now channeling to actually reach in a more effective way the consumer so it's um, assets which are in most cases already provided and now we're just turning it into the um to the consumer yeah well, that's really exciting and i i hope things continue to go well despite pandemic yeah. and other difficulties and yeah I, I will link to your website now your stuff it's now your stuff dot, dot com Dot .de. .de, okay. And um, so people can check it out. And hopefully also we find soon more and more swing tags in store so that consumers get educated. I do hope so. I do think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Excellent. you very much. Thank you so much, Verena. Have a good day. Thank you, Elisabeth. And to you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So I do hope you enjoyed my conversation with, with Verena Keller from Know Your Stuff. You can find out more about Verena and her business at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 120. And you can also, of course, connect directly with Verena on her website, knowyourstuff.de. And I do hope uh, you will be joining us again in the new year. I wish you a happy Christmas season, um, happy holidays, and I'll talk to you again in the new year. Thanks and bye for now.